Okay, so the reading this morning is from Mark chapter 10. So I'm going to read for us this morning before Teresa comes and shares with us from the Word. If we can have that on the screen, that'd be great. This is from Mark chapter 10, verses 1 to 16. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It is because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, If anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Teresa is going to come and share with us. This is the scripture we're at in the Gospel of Mark as we work through it this year. And I also want to say welcome to those who are listening to the podcast or watching online um, who haven't been able to be with us here in person this morning. Over to you, Teresa. Hopefully we'll be okay with this. Thank you. Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers to start. Well, my first reaction to this passage was, you want me to speak on divorce on Father's Day? <laughs> Is this some kind of setup? <laughs> and I really struggled with it. But after much thought and much prayer and a little bit of study, I began to see that these passages actually go further than I originally thought. So please bear with me and hopefully we'll make some sense when we come to a conclusion. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for these passages. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that um, you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us and you know the best for each one of us, for that is the way you created us. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand these scriptures and to respond to you as you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, Jesus is continuing on his journey. Along the way so far, he's been tested by his faith, his power, and again here, his knowledge of the law. And over the past few chapters, Jesus has already been challenged, but here is the subject of marriage, and he's providing a legal test whether or not it is lawful for a man to divorce his wife. 
In fact, it's less than a test, but more of a trap for Jesus. Jesus and the disciples had just crossed the Jordan and were entering Judea, the very region where John the Baptist used to work, the very area where he lost his head for criticising Herod Antipas for marrying his brother's wife. In other words, they were looking for a reason to find Jesus treasonable. Is it lawful, they asked, for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus doesn't actually answer that question the way they would like to. He puts the question back on them. What did Moses command you? And they said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Jesus then gives them an answer for why Moses actually allowed divorce. But they, the Pharisees, were not satisfied. Jesus knew the law very, very well. The disciples then asked Jesus about this and he gave them a clearer answer. Divorce is clearly spoken in other parts of the Bible as against God's ideal and again it is here. And Jesus repeats it. God's true intention in marriage is for the two fleshes to become one and inseparable. And I am not going to go along the subject of divorce. I'll leave that for Luke to unravel at another time. What I want to concentrate is the reason for Moses allowing divorce and what Jesus meant by his command, because your hearts were hard. Yes, Moses permitted divorce, and he did so because people's hearts were hardened towards each other. When a marriage relationship is troubled, hearts can become hard and people can become hurt no matter what the outcome. And I'm sure you will all agree that there are hurting people and no winners in any kind of divorce. Moses said this, and he said what he did to soften the blow. Jesus' purpose for his answer was to challenge us about our hard hearts, to encourage a cure for our hardness towards him and towards each other. And the cure for a hard heart is love, not obedience. Jesus was throwing the Pharisees and those gathered around that he was here to soften people's hearts. He was showing that there was a better way to asking the question of what can I get away with according to the law? His question was, what can I do to be more loving? Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such of these is what the verse says. And Jesus was angry that the disciples tried to keep the children away. In verse 14, the passage continues. He says, Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What Jesus is teaching us in these passages is about the innocence of children the love in marriage, and how, and how our hard hearts can be formed through relationships. So how does a hard heart form? In marriage, love blossoms when we meet that first person we want to share the rest of our lives with. Perhaps you can remember that first time when you met that man. I know I remember the first time I ever met Charlie. It was his legs I saw first. They were pretty good looking back then. 
we still are. <laughs> well, pretty soon the wedding is planned and soon we are Mr and Mrs Wright, willing to trust each other and to grow further and further in love. However, for some, the honeymoon begins to change over time. He has that awful habit of leaving his socks all over the bedroom floor. Doesn't help me with the household chores. And I work just as hard as he does. Sound familiar? She doesn't do those little things for me that I thought she would. She spends too much time and money with her friends. And I'm jealous. And they're only just little things. But I'm sure things get in the way. And we began to make judgments. We began to make hard hearts. I don't think I have to give you too many more examples as you sort of probably know what I mean. I also don't want to belittle the pain that some couples face due to large issues that hinder a loving relationship and I know that they are very real for many people. What I'm trying to suggest is how subtle hard hearts can begin to be formed and to grow in each one of us. And what can happen when these things occur is that a little part of our hearts, just a tiny part to start, can become hard towards the ones we love. Not intentionally, of course. We just don't quite trust them or we just don't quite share ourselves in the same way. And this can continue to happen if they're not dealt with, if we don't forgive one another and are there for each other. And over time, well, I think you can see what happens. Couples can grow further and further apart Children can grow further and further apart from their parents and hearts towards each other can grow harder and harder. Well, children love their parents unconditionally. Do you know they don't know the difference between good and bad parents? They just love because that's the way they're geared to. And here Jesus used the example of a child's love and acceptance and openness to show what perfect love in relationships should be like. They have that joy within, both in our human relationships and with our relationship with our Father God. Children have a real openness. This is why Jesus brings a reminder of how we need to come to him with open arms as little children. But even children in their early years begin to grow hard hearts. Perhaps it's something that happened to them. So how can children form hard hearts? The basic answer is the circumstances in life. The things that children shouldn't experience. The harsh words that people say over them. The expectations that are placed on children. We live in a fallen world with fallen parents. And I know as, as a parent myself, there are many things I've probably said to my children that I wished I hadn't. I placed expectations on them that I wished I hadn't. Often the circumstances of poor upbringing, difficult circumstances and the pressure of demanding lifestyle come at us one nasty wave at a time. It's what's called being living in a human world. We form beliefs about ourselves, our loved ones and the world around us that does not line up with the truth of God's word. And these actually form barriers between God and between ourselves. But God is our loving parent, our loving father. His love is perfect. 
His heart towards us is soft and is loving. Children possess innocence, joy and laughter, along with sincere trust and openness. And this is what Jesus is referring to. This is the essence of our identification with God. It's the sort of relationship that God longs for us to have with him. Our loving father who loves us unconditionally and has a warm, open heart towards us. So if God is unchanging, why does and why can our relationship with our heavenly father lose the joy, the innocence and the laughter that we're all given unconditionally? And I'm not talking about happiness, what we talked about later, earlier. I'm talking about that inner joy of knowing God as our Heavenly Father. Well, the answer is we harden our hearts. We put up defences and we believe the words of the enemy to turn our hearts against our loving Father. We transpose the things that hurt us in our relationship with others to God also. In other words... Sometimes we see God our Father as we see our earthly fathers and our earthly fathers are human and love us not quite as unconditionally as our Heavenly Father. So we place expectations on our Heavenly Father and we don't know him quite as well as he would love us to know him. Are you getting me here? The enemy tries to dissever our relationship with God in every way that he can. And he's very good at placing those little thoughts in our hearts, those barriers between us, making our eyes see things that aren't there. And as we grow, our story is reinforced by bitter judgments about what life is like, about our experiences, and we make vows about who we are and who others are. Not only are our human relationships affected, but we do these with God also. And soon enough, a hard heart affects others around us. In some cases, the condition is obvious, characterised by uncaring behaviours and selfishness. We all know people who are just so bitter and angry about life, perhaps even God. In Christians us, the condition's a little more hidden because we're reminded that we all know, we will know they are Christians by our love. Remember that old hymn? And Jesus says in John 13, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we love one another. But do we truly love one another with the openness and the love that God loves us? Are we loving, serving believers who can both minister and be ministered to? Because it takes both. In families, hard hearts affect love and intimacy between partners and between parents and children. In relationships, it, discovers, it discourages others' gifts and puts others down. In the body of Christ destroys corporateness and ultimately it breaks the heart of our Heavenly Father who created us for fellowship with him, both with him and with others. So a hard heart affects all of us, all of the people around us. 
not only does it affect those around us, but it actually affects ourselves. It can create loneliness and isolation, feeling nobody knows us or nobody loves us. Unable to receive love. It can cause physical problems, but please don't misunderstand, I'm not saying that all physical illness is the cause of a hard heart. In many legends and fictional tales, characters die after suffering a devastating loss. Even in reality, people die from what appears to be a broken heart. I've actually met many people along my journey who fall in that category. They've just given up and don't believe there's anything left for life. There's actually a syndrome called broken heart syndrome and it's a scientific fact. But a heart of stone or a hard heart is a form of protection. Protects us from the batterings of this world. But the circumstance of it is that it shuts out the voice of our Heavenly Father and of others. It's like a hidden structure or a wall of defence, a shell or a hardness that keeps us from being vulnerable. And eventually we put up a wall or a fortress and as we believe it will protect us from the hurt. But in reality, it actually makes us isolated, lonely and miserable. It's learned like a programming of a computer. It sort of happens automatically, sort of goes up without us even knowing. And in our fallen condition, we're sort of like medieval knights dressed in full armour, piercing through the slits in the helmet, ready to slash and poke one another. Does it sound real sometimes? Does it feel like that sometimes, that you're dressed in armour, just, you know? <laughs> sometimes, secretly, we wish that the other fella would open up so that we would really like to meet him or her. But perhaps they're wearing armour as well, as well as us. The only way we can melt our hearts of stone is actually by accepting the love of our Heavenly Father. Neither can we heal a heart of stone or hardness by ourselves. We can't do it on our own. It must be healed corporately, in relationship, and by the body of Christ. So we need each other to help each other break the walls down, to love one another, and to be able to open our hearts to love God. For we're Christ's family, and love is the answer to make hearts soft again. So, if we accept that we have hardened our hearts towards one another or towards God, towards our loved ones, and even towards ourselves, how do we go about finding healing for our hardened hearts? It's easy to say we have one and to acknowledge it, but how do we heal it? Well, the answer lies in repentance, confession, forgiveness, ministry, and prayer. Firstly, repentance for our sinful reactions to the experiences that we've had, sometimes very early in life. I know for many years I've had to forgive my father for the things that I believe he didn't do for me. He wasn't there in many ways. And I've had to repent of that, for my sinful reaction of shutting him out. For confession, for wounding loved ones for our own destructive habits and for wounding the heart of God. For forgiveness for the others who hurt us and for ourselves for hurting others. 
confession and forgiveness for our hard hearts towards God and our Father. So it requires repentance for what we've done, confessing to God for what we have done, and asking for forgiveness for the things that we have put up to shut people out. And then allowing others to minister to us, to heal our hearts of heart. A heart of stone must be loved to life by God through his people. So it's about allowing others to be there for us, to love us back to life. And it requires prayer to bring to death our hearts of stone for our hearts of flesh to be brought to life. Hearts are brought to life through loving family, loving church and small groups. And here in this community, we have loving family, loving church and small groups to bring us back to life, to allow us to break down those walls and to love each other as God calls us to love him. For we're not called to be soul ranger disciples. We're a community. We're called to do this together and with each other. And this is why this, this passage is important for us to, stand, to understand today on Father's Day because it is the Father heart of God who wishes to call forth parents so that they can enable their children to develop hearts of flesh. That's the role of a father, to love your children so that they may love God, so that they may have soft hearts towards God and towards others. It's the Father heart of God who wishes us to soften our hearts of stone towards our spouses and our loved ones, again to break down the walls and to begin to love one another. And it's the Father heart of God who wishes to soften the hearts that have hardened towards him. Only God can soften our hearts, but we first need to come to him. It's the Father heart of God who calls forth that innocence that joy and that laughter within us that we have as little children. And he looks upon us with his love, his forgiveness and his grace. It's the Father heart of God who calls parents and who calls them to life and who fills them with the grace to breathe life into their children. Amen for that. We can't be parents on our own. We need the love of God shining through us to our children. And it's Jesus who became human to meet and to melt our hearts of stone and to give us flesh, hearts of flesh. And it's a heart of flesh in Jesus which is God's gift to restore humanity. So we have a big mandate, don't we? To love each other, to love our father, to love our parents as God loves us. And we can't do it on our own but we need each other. That's why we come to church on a Sunday, to get the support and we love from each other in order to live through the week the gospel that God calls us. So let's pray, because that's where we begin. And if you'd like to stand with me, let's pray with, with our Heavenly Father. Father God, we ask that you help us to see where our hearts have gone cold, hard and dry. Help us to see where we have built 
a hiding place to protect ourselves from hurt. We know that this protection blocks out the love, the warmth and the nurture we need from both you and those around us. We pray for a softened heart, for an unselfish love, for a compassionate spirit. Help us to see and call forth love in others. Help us to be vulnerable, to both give and receive. We thank you for your holy presence, for the love and gift of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us your wisdom and guidance in our hearts and in our homes for those who, lo- who we love. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, I could you just bear with me? If you are a father, could you please remain standing? <laughs> Thank you. Not that you women get out of things. <laughs> but in my preparation for, for this, this morning's um, talk, I came across a beautiful prayer of blessing to pray for men to pray over their families and their loved ones. And it's actually going to come up on the screen. I'm going to step away and ask Luke to lead you in prayer because, funny enough, I'm not a father. So, But it's a beautiful prayer to pray for your families. I know most of them aren't here, but, but just a beautiful time for you men to share together the love that God has you for you. So thanks, Luke. So let's... Let's take our time with this and and just let it sink in to be a real prayer from the heart as we pray it together, dads. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gift of my family for whom I now pray. I ask you to shower your blessings on each one. May I always be ready to spend my time and my life for them. Bless my children with your life and presence, with innocence, joy and laughter. May the example of your son be the foundation upon which their lives are built, that the gospel may always be their hope and support. I ask you, Father, to protect and bless my family. Watch over them so that in the strength of your love we may love unconditionally. And forgive each other for the things we say and do that hurt each other. May we possess the gift of your peace and always bear witness to your glory in the world. Amen. Amen. I'd love to ask the rest of you to stand again. And before we let this opportunity pass, if we could have that last slide from Teresa's sermon back up on the screen. I want to invite us to, in considering our relationships, that might be family relationships, that might be church relationships or other friendships, to consider where there's a need for restoration of uh, relationship, of healing, of turning it over to God so we may experience joy again. And what I want to invite you to do, I'm not going to ask you to come up the front or anything like that, but if if there's something this morning that as Teresa's been sharing, you've been wrestling with, whether that be a relationship breakdown or whether that be a failure you feel or a angst or anger towards somebody else who's, um, who, whose actions have hurt. I want to invite you to do something very simple. We're not going to pick up the front or anything like that, but to just 
know you can't see me, but just to place your hands out in front of you. First of all, as an offering to God, our repentance and confession, and I'm going to lead us through this in prayer, but then also to have our hands out in front of us to receive from God what his Holy Spirit would want to give us in his forgiveness and ministry of healing. So if, if that's you, if there's something uh, that there's just a, something that you've, you've been you're wrestling with and you know that you need God to just minister to you this morning, to give it over to God, I just invite you, even if it's just without anyone else seeing, to, uh, but I encourage you to just, just to, to do this in a, in a way that you just know this is between you and God right now, to place your hands out in front of you. Father, as we do this now, as we offer you our repentance, a changing of our mind and our confession in the ways that we have caused broken relationships because of hard hearts. With our hands open before you as a sign of our surrender to you, our offering to you, this broken life that we have, we just give that to you. Lord, the ways that we've failed, we give it to you. Lord, the ways that others have failed us, we give it to you. With open hands, Lord, we offer it to you, not as an offering that is going to feel pleasing to you, but as something we know you are willing to take from us and now to that cross. God, having given over to you those things which have kept us from an unhindered relationship with you and with others, having offered them to you and asked you to take them from our lives and from our hearts and from our minds. We know we're not perfect and so with open hands in front of us, we now accept your forgiveness. Lord, we accept the blessing on us that comes and flows from the sacrifice of your son on the cross. You have forgiven us and that grace, we receive it right now. And we remember the scriptures say that by your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. And so we also receive your healing. We receive the spirit of God poured out over us as children of God to refresh us, to bring us joy once again, to heal our hearts and soften them that we may once again experience trust, that we may experience relationship unhindered with you and with others 
we may experience joy and peace. We receive it, Father God. Pour out your spirit on us this morning in this place. God, I want to pray for all those who there is still a tension, there is still a wrestling going on. Lord, I have a sense that it feels like there is a tug of war happening where they are pulling one way and other forces are pulling the other way and they're trying to pull that flag in the middle of the tightrope over the line, trying to fight against the things which are weighing them down. And I believe the Lord would want to say this morning, you don't need to keep pulling. Just let go. As we sing this song, I pray that God would minister to you by his Holy Spirit as you let go of whatever it is that has caused hardness of heart in you or in others. May relationships have been broken. May the Lord do a healing work.